Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney+. You are listening to Habs and Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Habs and Minded as we continue our look at the World Juniors and the upcoming tournament. It's always weird to to say the 2023 World Juniors, even though we're still in 2022, but it's always, you have to remember, it's always when the tournament ends, not when the tournament begins. That's how I remember it. Um, so because the gold medal is given out in 2023, it's the 2023 championship. Uh, my name is Jared Book. Joining me today is Matt Drake, and we are discussing Team Canada as, as we get uh, into the last parts of, of our uh, preview series and uh, Patrick Bexell has been doing a great job with the non-North American nations, and and we have to pick up the slack here in, uh, in North America and, and uh, go up to his level. Matt, how are you doing? I'm I'm doing terrific. <laughs> Can't wait for that tournament to start. We can watch a we we can cheer for a team that tends to outshoot and outattempt its opponents instead of the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, I, I wonder how many Canadians fans are going to be conflicted. I won't get into this a little bit, but I'll start. Well, let's, let's, let's start with this. How many Canadians fans are going to be conflicted watching uh, number one center and team captain Shane Wright um, and having to, to cheer for him? Mm. Uh, you know, and it's kind of ironic because, you know, a day before the draft or even the day of the draft, uh, a lot of fans want to Shane Wright, um, probably up until the stare down, I would say. Uh, and that's, and that's kind of when everything kind of, uh, changed around, but it, it's look, I, I'm happy he got his first NHL goal against Montreal because it was meant to be, and it's a great story. Um, I'm, I'm kind of happy that your Slavkovsky is not in the tournament. So we don't have that head to head discussion, uh, and don't have to worry about how many points each one's getting, uh, every morning, but look, it, it's, it's, <laughs> It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting to see um, whether Shane Wright can can take that next step because he was at the tournament last year before it got he got canceled um, the the last December tournament uh, he wasn't at the summer one and he was that was really the start of his you know is he really the best player in the draft and and you know this tournament becomes a big narrative um, builder. Uh, for the draft and and I wonder you know 
whether, you know, he, let's face it, he's going to be expected. He's playing with Connor Bedard. He's going to be expected to be among the, the leaders in scoring in this tournament. And if he isn't, Canada's probably not going to win gold. Like, I just think that's how that this team is built. And, um, but it'll be very interesting to see whether he can take the step that everyone uh, is expecting him to. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's going to do great in this tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Absolutely. not like he I was playing. It, it, it's not like he was playing bad in the NHL, you know, right. it's just, he just wasn't were playing. Not, they, were, they weren't letting him play. They were healthy scratching him constantly. Uh, he goes down to the AHL, does great down there, does absolutely fantastic, comes back up, gets that fateful goal against the Montreal Canadiens. Everybody knew that was going to happen. There was no stopping that. I mean, <laughs> they could have done, they could have thrown everything in the kitchen sink at him, and he was still going to score in that game. You just knew it was going to happen. <laughs> and in this tournament, I mean, obviously, when you get to play as the center and you have an absolute generational talent like Connor Bedard on your wing, you're going to have a good time. Um, I think most people by now have seen one of Wright's goals that he scored in the pre-tournament <laughs> games. Bedard gets the puck in his own zone, cuts through all three, right? Goes through the neutral zone like a hot knife through butter, goes around behind the net and throws a no-look behind the back pass around the net back to Shane Wright. Shane Wright taps it in. And after he scores, he literally like throws his arms up and just points at Bedard. Like he was embarrassed to score that yeah. goal. I, I've I mean, seen that. I've seen that a lot. I've seen that a lot with players who play with Mary Philip Flair. <laughs> I've seen. I've yeah, seen that look right? a lot. <laughs> it's you know where the the assist is basically the goal at that point, and that that's the kind of that's the kind of player that he has to play with. So even if he's not at his best, he's going to have a good tournament. And I don't think as Habs fans that we should really look at this and go, oh well, if Shane Wright kills this tournament, we might have made the wrong choice. Right. That's not how it works at the World Juniors. There are so many players that don't do well at the world juniors that end up killing it in the NHL and vice versa, right? There's plenty of players that murder the world junior hockey championship. They get to the NHL and all of a sudden it's, it's a different game and they can't, they can't do anything. Right. So you, you never want to read too much into the tournament. You do want to watch the performances and see how people compete against the best of the best when it comes to their peers. For the most part, let's keep in mind that there's still some people playing in the NHL that could be there like your Slavkovsky. But really, you just want to take it in and kind of see how do people perform and what, what do you like about their games? There can be some good key takeaways, but I don't think any of us should really watch it. Um, any Habs fans listening, I would caution you against watching it and trying to see whether or not you think Shane Wright was the right pick. Because <laughs> this tournament could tell you a lot about that, but it could also be misleading. Because again, you know, he's playing with a generational talent on the wing uh, that might be able to gift him some points that he wouldn't otherwise get. Yeah, like... like- I, I I picture like don't don't hate watch Shane Wright at the World Juniors like yeah like they, like you know like yes it was super it, it was kind of funny when he scored the the own goal um against Slovakia in the pre tournament game um yeah. <laughs> which which is kind of just like him like taking his hatred for for the Canadians too far um but uh, no I honestly like. It, it's it's all in good fun like that that's what we live for right like we want drama right like you yeah know, how many times would you know, like imagine, you know, like I feel like Shane Wright's stare down of the Canadians. Like imagine if that was a player the Canadians had chosen staring down another team. Like people mm. probably love it, right? Like you know, like think yeah. of like PK Subban at, at at the height of his, um, you know, glory and and trolling, right? Like that's that's what you you want, right? Like that's like a. Um, you know, and, and Uri Slavkowski is is has a personality too, right? Like it's it's um I, I was I didn't know much about Uri Slavkowski, you know, heading into the draft, other than you know, obviously his his play at the Olympics, the the world and the world championships and, and things like that. 
Um, I didn't know much about him as the person. Uh, and the draft just completely <laughs> floored me on on him. Uh, and and it just became like, mm. you know, like you can see you can see what the Canadians saw in, in Slavkovsky. And and I think that the fact that they're keeping him in the NHL showed like look, they even said they're not looking for the best player at 18. They're they're looking yep. for the best player at 21, 22. And you know, the the argument could be had that that Shane Wright probably is the better player right now. Right. Like that's, that's why he was, you know, expected to go number one for, for most of the year. Um, and then Slavkovsky was kind of like the, uh, the project pick. Right. So it, it, look, we're, we'll talk about this uh, a long time, but I, I want to transition into, before we get to obviously the Canadians content uh, with Joshua Hua and the absence of a couple of others, but we, we talked about this a little bit with, with Shane Wright and narrative building in the draft. I wonder and and Connor Bedard is is obviously an incredible talent, but Adam Fantilli is slowly making his way up onto mm-hmm. the radar, and they're on different lines, um, but they're both in the top six. And I wonder whether the whether Fantilli and Bedard going basically head to head, not really head to head, but you know what I mean. Like they're they're, they're going to yeah. be you know both going for for goals and things like that. I wonder if there is that competitive between the two of them and and i don't think this has ever happened with a canadian team at the world juniors where both guys are draft eligible and they're both in the tournament right like i, I don't think that um you know going back to like the the one versus two discussions right like uh, taylor hall and tyler Sagan weren't on the the world junior team together uh in their draft year um obviously connor mcdavid and jack eichel were on two different countries um so you kind of see like the two different countries but you know you very rarely see um the two of them on the same team i i think i don't know if they were in the same year but like jason spezza and jay and and jay bodmeister i feel like that's like the the, uh, the maybe the last time that might have happened i don't i don't they might have been a year apart though because i just remember both of them being super young um in their both world juniors um bodmeister was taken in 2002 yeah no so it wasn't the same year as spezza um there was a different year so yeah i mean it, it's uh, but although he would have been on the same team as Rick Nash, so th- that that is um, that was the same draft year. So, yeah, I mean it's it's going to be interesting to see them and whether Bedard just walks away and like any puts any doubt away, and and the way that he played in the pre-tournament um, makes that pretty likely, I think. Yeah, I mean I, I think there will be a little bit of competition between them just because you know Bedard's been the consensus number one for a while now, right? right? So. If you're if you're Fantilli and you go into that tournament, you know you're on the second line, so you're right behind him. You're going to get plenty of opportunities. You're going to get power play time. I think you're going to be looking to make an impression and maybe make a case for yourself. I think it's a pretty steep hill to climb to get up in front of Connor Bedard at this point in that draft ranking, but it's not insurmountable. Like it's, I think it's possible, and I think if you're Fantilli, you're probably looking at it and going, "Well, you know what? If I go out and I crush this tournament, right? If I score more than he does, just maybe, just maybe." Maybe I'm on the radar a little bit more, right? And I think that's actually a good thing for Canada if those two are trying to compete with each other because then you've got two very, very good young draft-eligible players that are going out there trying to put on a show uh, and bringing their best. It's going to end up benefiting Canada because then they're going to have two lines that are just out there hungry, right? Um, 
I'm not so sure that Bedard is going to see it as a competition just because he's been the consensus number one for so long. He's probably yeah. looking at it. That's my spot. I'm doing well <laughs> enough in the WHL that nobody's really questioning the fact that that's my spot. Um, so I, I, again, do you put too much stock into that tournament? Not really, but I think you're right. There, there might be a little bit of competition, but I do think that's going to end up benefiting Canada, if anything, because it's yeah. just going to have them that much hungrier to go out and, and accomplish something special. Yeah, and, and Fantilli has kind of distanced himself from the rest of the top five as well, right? Like, he was kind of in that group of yeah. like Mitchkov and Dvorak and, you know, all those other great talents um, from around the world um, in that top five. But it's really become uh, what is a, a clear top two of his play at the University of Michigan uh, and his yeah. basically unprecedented play um, as a freshman in the NCAA. Um, spoiler alert, we'll have more on that in the U.S. episode. Um, but in, in terms of uh, in terms of that, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that that's where Fantilli will see an opportunity is, is that he can kind of solidify that top two. Um, and, and yeah, like you said, it's, it's good for Canada to have that kind of internal competition. And his only his only issue might be sorry to cut you off there, no, but, but that second line has not impressed me very much in the two pre-tournament games and i know they're pre-tournament right so like shut up matt it's these games don't matter these are just tune-up games but i have not seen much out of that second line that suggests to me that that they're that they're really a top six line for that team really the top line has been extremely impressive the third line has been very impressive that second line leaves a little bit to be desired on honestly fantilly's got a lot of talent but i don't know if that line's clicking the way that they would want it to so if there is that competition going on you know um it's going to take a significant effort on Fantilli's part to really make that a competition because I think that line might struggle the most uh, out of any of the four trios or at least any of the three trios that are going to get significant ice time. Yeah, and you know, look, we, we see lines get changed all the time uh, in these short tournaments um, and, and and Team Canada has kind of always been a team where you don't really number the lines um, and they just kind of go with hot hands a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. And, and in the pre-tournament, speaking of the hot hands, uh, that Quebec line of um, Nathan Gaucher, uh, Joshua Roy, and uh, Zach Dean has been one of the best lines, uh, one, or at least most consistent lines in the pre-tournament along with that that right Ottman and uh, and Bedard line. And it, it comes at a time when, you know, team, uh, Hockey Canada has been criticized by players saying that there's an anti-Quebec bias um, and that you start with two strikes <laughs> against you. Uh, I don't think that's that's true. I, I don't think that that's uh, the case. I mean, you can look at the the amount of players cut from the other leagues as much as you can look at the players cut from the Quebec League um, in that as well. But Joshua Roy has a way, has a chance here to really solidify his standing as a prospect, right? Because he was at the Summer World Juniors where he got top line minutes uh, at least to, for most of the tournament, uh, and and was. He bounced around a little bit, but he was scoring no matter what line he was on. And now mm-hmm. he has a lot. He has a a chance to kind of. He's in his last year of eligibility. He's going to turn pro after this season, and and he has a chance to kind of use this as a as a springboard, uh, for for what's next for him. Yeah, and you know, this might be a homer thing to say, but I have him as Canada's X factor in this tournament. Honestly. Um, I got an, I got another pick that I can talk about afterwards that might be an X factor as well, but he's my X factor for Team Canada. You look at those pre-tournament games, four points in two games, and that goal he scored against Slovakia was ridiculous. Coming immediately off of a face-off as a winger, 
He just cuts into the middle, follows the puck, um, manages to steal it, and then goes in and goes barred down with a backhander um, off balance. Like everything about that goal was fantastic. The assist that he got on Zach Dean's goal earlier in that game, fantastic. The chemistry that he's got with Dean and Gaucher is it's palpable. Like you can, every single time that they step on the ice, you can see that they get, they're getting things done. The the ice is tilted in their favor every time that they're on the ice so far in those pre-tournament games. And again, it's pre-tournament. You don't want to read too much into it, but that's the thing about Joshua Wild that became very evident at last year's tournament or not really last year's last summer's tournament. Yeah. Um, he works no matter where they put him in the lineup. They started him on the top line with Bedard. Uh, they moved him down to the third line. He was working really well. And by the end of the tournament, he was one of, if not the most used forward, I think behind only Mason McTavish. So he was playing no matter where he was in the lineup, whether, like you said, the lines are basically interchangeable, don't necessarily number them. Whether he was on the top line, second line, third line, he was getting more minutes than most other forwards. So he's on the ice constantly. This year in the pre-tournament, they've used them on the power play. They've used them a lot in penalty killing, which for Habs fans, I'm going to shout out that penalty killing as something very important for you to keep an eye on because this year, Joshua Wild might not be on the same pace that he is in terms of point scoring, but his game has gotten better in all facets. His skating is better. His defensive game is better. That's why Team Canada is trusting him on the penalty kill. I'm telling everybody now, he's my X factor. I really think he's going to go out there and have a fantastic tournament. I think he's going to beat his production from, uh, from last tournament, and I think he's going to open a lot of eyes people who have been doubting him it's one thing that i always say you'll see me say it over and over again on twitter never doubt Les sniper Beauceron, and now's not the time to do it he's gonna have a great tournament yeah speaking of uh matter plant earlier uh they're from the same area um in in Beauce. so yeah uh, <laughs> i don't know what they're putting in the water in Beauce, but uh there's there's a lot there's a lot there. of women's hockey players coming out of Beauce. um and i don't think it could all be attributed to mary philip play but yeah, it's uh, it's pretty impressive. At, at considering... least, at least a significant part, right? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's kind of funny because when when I started playing hockey in Boast, there wasn't any girls hockey in Boast, um, so it's kind of a um, a wondrous uh, miracle that, that she became as good as she was. Uh, she she actually went to Montreal, I believe, at like 15 years old. Um, they got her going to um, uh, an academy, a high school team in uh, in Montreal. And she was playing pro hockey with the, the Montreal Stars at the time uh, before ending um, going to Dawson and eventually uh, Boston University. Um, there's there's another segue, Boston University. We'll talk about that a little bit later on too. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, jo- Joshua Wah, three goals, five assists in seven games last year, uh, eight points. Um, I, I think that that's going to be um, the numbers to, to, to watch because yeah, I, I think that that's kind of where he should be expected to be, uh, if not more. Uh, in this and and that's the whole thing is that Joshua Wah is was never going to be like a top scoring winger in the NHL. Like he's going to have to do the other things well in order to solidify a spot and play well, right? Like yep. he um, his his future in the NHL is more like Kirby Doc than say Cole Caulfield, right? Like he's not going to just be able to like to shoot the puck and, and score. Not to say that's all Cole Caulfield is, but that's obviously his his calling card, right? Um, and, and Cole Caulfield obviously solidified a lot of his game as well. And, and, you know, Kirby Doc has really solidified other parts of his game. And that's, what's been making him so successful um, with the Canadians this year. And, mm-hmm. and it'll be very interesting to see what he can do um, because, you know, next year at, at worst, he'll be in the AHL. Um, there's always a chance, obviously he can make the NHL. 
And, you know, a year, a year ago at this time, we probably would have been like, oh yeah, there's no way that Caden Gooley, Jordan Harris, and Arbor Jackeye will all make the NHL coming out, coming yeah. out of, <laughs> coming out of, uh, coming into their first full season. And, and sure enough, that's where, that's where they all are. So I don't want to go ahead and like just assign them to the AHL, but um, odds are that that's where he'll, uh, he'll be, but he'll have every opportunity to do that. Right. Obviously uh, Riley Kidney will, will be pro as well next year. Um, mm-hmm. He has his entry level contract, obviously a, a rough injury for him at camp uh, and never, he was always on the bubble. And once you get hurt, you know, that just takes away every, every opportunity. And he wasn't, he's not a player where team Canada is like, yeah, you know what? We'll keep him around just in case he gets healthy. Um, yeah, because that's just not, not not take anything away from him. But he wasn't. It's not like Shane Wright had an injury or Connor Bedard, right? Like yeah. it's yeah. it's a little bit different. And you know, even if it takes you out a week, a week and a half um, in a short tournament, that's that's you can't you can't do that. Um, yeah, so Canada doesn't carry. Yeah. Canada doesn't carry bubble players because <laughs> right. they have injuries, right? Canada is only going to carry you with an injury if you know you're you're a top absolute top tier performer for them yeah like kirby doc is actually a pretty good example of that right he got hurt in pre-tournament and he was a team captain and just kept him on the roster um yeah knowing knowing full well i think that he wasn't going to play um because of the severity of the injury but you know he was already named captain you know you don't want to take him off the roster at that point so um yeah obviously you know there's some precedent to that but yeah it's unfortunate for him but he can go back to the queue get healthy and um, and get back on on the horse, um, and you know that leads us to Owen Beck, and and I think a lot of people probably expected Owen Beck to make this team, especially after the the camp he had in the NHL and his start to the OHL season. Um, but he did not make the team. And listen, Hockey Canada has taken better has not taken players better than Owen Beck to this tournament and still won gold. Um, mm. So, you know, they're still, they're still the favorite um, and, you know, they don't have to take the best players and you can say that about the world juniors, yep. take that, say that about the Olympics, uh, say that about the women's team. Uh, they get away with it because they, they can take uh, players that fit specific roles or try to fit specific roles. That's just what they do. <laughs> and, and uh, like you said about, you know, better players not being in a tournament and, um, you know, playing well or not playing well and, and making a career for themselves. Uh, the same can be said about players who, who've been cut uh, from the World Juniors. And obviously he's still eligible next year, but there's a pretty good chance he'll be in the NHL next year um, considering how close he was yeah. to the NHL this year. Yeah, and I, uh, you mentioned earlier the, the whole, I guess it wasn't much of a controversy, but the, the whole narrative there around whether or not Hockey Canada has a bias against Quebecois players. I think right there, the fact that Nathan Gaucher got in and is centering the third line over Owen Beck, I think that shoots that argument right in the foot, right? Yeah. I would argue 100%. I think Owen Beck is is better than Nathan Gaucher almost everywhere on the ice. Um, and I, I really kind of wish that they did bring him. And maybe there's a little bit of Habs bias there. Of course, he's a Habs prospect. So I got to acknowledge that, you know, of course, I'm pulling for the Habs prospects to make that team. But realistically, I, I just don't think that Gaucher holds uh, a candle to a lot of what Beck can do. Um, but Hockey Canada's bias really is towards usually sometimes larger players and also returning players. Nathan Gaucher is a returning player. He's bigger and he's more physical. So he wins out. Like you said, 
they don't always have to bring the best players. What they have to do is they have to construct a roster that they think is going to work. Maybe they really liked Gaucher's chemistry with uh, Juan Dean, and that's why they decided to leave Beck behind. Um, again, I think Beck would have been a better choice for Canada. I think they still would do as well as they would, maybe even better with Beck. But, uh, you know, there's something about Gaucher that they're looking at him and they're saying, well, we still think we can win with you at center. Um, and hopefully they do. If they don't, then I can do another podcast afterwards where I can yell and scream about the fact that they didn't bring Owen Beck and I can blame Hockey Canada for a dumb decision. So <laughs> win-win situation for me. But <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> Team Canada has been in the gold medal game for at least the last three years, um, two golds and a silver. Um, the silver coming in, in, in 2021. And it, it'll be interesting because it seems like for the last few years, the defense and the goaltending is um, not always... Uh, can't always be counted on. And, and this is something that we've seen with, with Canada. And sometimes the goaltenders step up and, and things are okay. Um, other times they um, they switch mid-tournament and uh, have to, you know, look for a guy to kind of lead the lead the way. Um, you know, I, I think the year that Joel Hofer won the uh, the World Juniors, he didn't even start the tournament as, uh, as a starter. He was uh, undrafted at that point as well. Um, and, and you have the same kind of thing with, with Thomas Millich, who, who has looked really good uh, in camp. He's undrafted. He's 19. Um, and, you know, probably will be drafted now um, as, as he uh, starts this tournament. And then, you know, on, on defense, you know, o- Olin Zellweger had his coming out party in a summer tournament. He was really like the top um, defender on, on Team Canada, really had a... Um, yeah. A great tournament and then you have um a couple of first round picks brent clark um who has been in the nhl ahl kind of like shane wright this season um kevin korchinski who was taken um very high by chicago um uh, one of three <laughs> one of three chicago uh prospects on team canada's defense um which is interesting uh alongside ethan del mastro and nolan allen um nolan allen by the way was uh taken um in the first round uh, while everyone was talking about Logan Mayu. <laughs> um, <laughs> he was, he was the, the, the guy taking with Tampa's pick uh, while everyone was kind of um, figuring out what the Canadians were doing. I, I think he might be one of the most forgotten yeah. first round picks in history, just, just because everyone was um, talking for, for n- not only, you know, for uh, criticizing, but just, it, it was such a moment. I remember, you know, the NHL network panel was just kind of silent um for for a bit as well so uh yeah it's um that's kind of a when i see, saw that name i was like oh yeah i remember that guy um mm-hmm. so it, it was funny because he wasn't even on the radar for for much of the people that Montreal wanted and he was um taken right after as well so it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this defense kind of comes together they are very big um oh yeah <laughs> other than than Zellweger, who's 510 they have uh jack matier is 65 uh Damastro 64 uh Tyson Hines is 6'3. Um, a couple guys are 6'2, and then one uh Korchinski is 6'1. Uh it, it'll it, it's it's a very hockey Canada defense. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned a couple of important things there. Let's start with the defense. So first things first, a lot of people have asked me on Twitter. I even got emails about it. People are like, why why do you think they didn't bring Logan Mayu to the tournament? Just look at the lineup that they picked on defense. The only like real offensive-minded guy that they have is Olin Zellweger. The rest of them are big dudes that are mostly not necessarily stay at home. They're pretty decent puck movers, but take a look at what they do best, right? They're, they're defenders. They're real defenders. 
defenders and they're big defenders that can hit you. Uh, Tyson Hines is an interesting one. I was a little bit surprised to see him on the list, uh, but I've watched a lot of him while watching Joshua Hawaii and uh, Sherbrooke. And man, he is a smart defender. He keeps really good gap control and he can absolutely destroy guys when he gets the opportunity and he picks his spots really well well so he never puts himself out of position doing it uh we saw in the pre-tournament games that brent clark and nolan allen can absolutely hammer some people and again they do it smartly they, they don't put themselves out of position they don't go skating after big hits when they shouldn't so that's really you know why did they not bring logan mayu because they weren't looking for somebody who can you know go end to end with the puck they were looking with people who are more willing to stay in their own zone because they don't need defensemen going end to end they have yeah. forwards that can take it end to end so like what's why would you Again, I, I'm I'm one of the higher guys on Logan Mayu uh, at Eyes on the Prize and and even in the broader spectrum of people who follow the Montreal Canadiens. And I understand why they didn't bring him because they, he doesn't have the type of game that they were looking for, right, at all. Yeah, I mean, you know, this uh, is there's typical. some of other Canada. underlying reasons as well, though, but... Yeah. I mean, sorry? this is typical of Hockey Canada, right? 2014, yeah. they played Dan Hamus over P.K. Subban, right? Like, that's yeah. just the Hockey Canada way. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, they don't take players who take on, you know, who might take unnecessary risks. Um, we can talk about whether that's legitimate or not. Um, I don't remember if that's the right approach, but um, it, it's pretty clear that that's, you know, that's, that's their yeah. MO, especially, especially at this tournament, especially when you have the forwards that they have, you don't really need um, players to, to take risks. Yeah. Yeah. You, you probably don't want your defenseman trying to go end to end. And Mayu does that a lot. It makes for some good highlights, but it also makes for some, uh, some lowlights as well. So I think team Canada is looking at that and they're going, well, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense for us. Right. And the other thing that you mentioned though, was the, the, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, the other thing you mentioned was the goaltenders and I've said this on Twitter so many times I'm, I'm getting tired of saying it, but I'm going to say it on here as well. Thomas Millich, man, I watched him last year in the playoffs when, um, that was when I first got my real first taste of him was when they were playing against the Edmonton oil Kings in the playoffs. Cause I was trying to get highlights of Caden Gooley and this guy was standing on his head. That oil Kings team was absurd. There were not like, there was no other team in that league that could hold a candle to them. And Thomas Millich made it a series. I would absolutely, if I'm an NHL team, I'm looking to get him with a late pick in the, uh, in the 2023 draft. Cause he's already been passed over. So, you know, he's probably going to slide pretty low in that draft, uh, but he should be available. And um, I don't know, maybe the fifth, sixth, seventh round. I'm, I'm not sure how far he's going to last in that draft, but NHL teams should be taking notice. And if I was team Canada, that's the guy I'm going to ride. Uh, I'm going to go with him. He's got big game experience um, after seeing what he did last year in the playoffs in the WHL, man, I think it would be tough not to give him more of the games. Ben Godreau is, is a good goaltender, but I don't think he's on the same level as Thomas Millich. We'll see what they do, right? They're probably going to start the tournament like they tend to, and they're going to go one game for one, one game for the other. And then whoever plays best, we're riding the hot hand until we can't. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. But if I was a coach, if I'm behind that bench, I'm riding Thomas Millage from day one and I'm going to see what he can do for me. Um, yeah. But, you know, again, I, I know how Hockey Canada operates. They <laughs> like to try and see who the hot hand is. Um, I just have a pretty good idea who it's going to be. So I would go with him. I think that's the pick. Uh, I think he has the best chance of, uh, you know, when the games get tough, when they have to start playing against, you know, the U.S. or Sweden or Finland. Um, he's the guy that's going to be able to make some of those key saves for you. Yeah, 11-2-1 record in 14 games with Seattle this season. Uh, after uh, yeah. winning 14 playoff games last year um, with, with Seattle as well. So yeah, he, he's, he's put the numbers up and you see this often with goalies getting passed over um, and other goalies taking in the first round who don't end up being 
um, very good. Um, and you know, goaltenders. Holy scouting is weird, man. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So it'll be interesting to watch. Obviously, uh, Canada will be uh, the focus of uh, the the country and the coverage on TSN uh, as the tournament goes. And, and obviously, with, with Joshua Wall, there's a, a reason for Canadians fans to to be interested as well. Yep, like I said, Joshua was my X factor at that tournament. The other one that I didn't get a chance to talk about yet, though, which I do want to bring up because I want to try to be unbiased, uh, Logan Stankoven. Like I said, that second line has not been super um, impressive so far through the pre-tournament games, but everybody who watched the, t- the summer tournament is going to remember what Logan Stankoven did there, right? He scored the golden goal. Or no, sorry, he set up the golden goal. It was, uh, it was Kent Johnson that ended up scoring it. Right, yeah. um, he has the ability to flip the game on his head when he's when he's at his best so if it's not joshua which again my pick maybe it's a bit of a homer pick i think logan stankoven stands a chance of being a guy that you know might be flying under the radar a little bit other teams are going to be so focused on what do i do to stop the bedard right combination up top um and they might also be focused a little bit on fantilly but really that top line is going to draw so much attention from other teams that it's going to take away from that second that third line that's why i think uh, out of those two players, Logan Stankoven, Joshua Hua, one of those two guys is going to end up having a fantastic tournament and they're going to end up um, contributing in a way that's going to help Canada win this thing. And they they would be my X factors in that case because, um, again, they're, they're just not going to have the same attention as that top line's going to have. And when you don't give those guys attention because you overlook them, you got some problems. That's why a lot of people are still upset that the Habs overlooked Logan Stankoven at the draft. Yeah, the, them and a lot of other teams are upset about that. That's um, true. Yeah, we for, can't for, we can't just blame the Habs, <laughs> right? Um, obviously, Dallas has done a really good job at finding players. You mentioned Ken Johnson, um, who is not a. I'm getting him mixed up with um, Wyatt Johnson. Wyatt Johnson. Wyatt, yeah, Wyatt, Wyatt Johnson was the Stars, which he yeah. never should have been picked as low as he was. He should have been way higher. Right. Kent Johnson is with uh, the Blue Jackets. Columbus. Yeah, exactly. But Wyatt Johnson is another example of. Um, a, a very good young player who dropped two a too far in the draft, and Dallas is like, "Yep, we'll take him." Uh, thank you very much. Yeah. And uh, you know, Jason Robertson is another example of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would argue Maverick uh, Maverick Book too is, yeah. is going to be a great player for them too, and they got yeah. him while well, he was first rounder though. So yeah, yeah, but you know, still still falling a little bit farther down, and yeah, they've been they, they've done a good job of building that uh, that pipeline in, in Dallas uh, as well. Um, Matt, thank you so much for, for discussing. We'll, uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot more on Canada as the tournament gets, uh, gets underway. Of course.